Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Random History Podcast. This episode shall be covering the October Manifesto, as I realized I covered that in the last, I mentioned that in the last episode, and I did not really explain what it was other than, like, a little bit of some provisions in it, so I said it would be smart to cover it now. That's just a way to kind of help give people background in case you had any more questions following the rest of Japanese war videos. So I'm going to do a little bit of a prelude as the thing to know that up in the up in the nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds, why France, Great Britain, and the United States had all gotten one form or another of democratic government, the Russian Empire continued to be an autocracy headed by a czar. And in the then in the early eighteen nineties, they had ended up in, embarking on a state-led program of industrialization, through encouraging both foreign investment and by imposing tariffs to encourage the growth of home industry. And this had been under the guidance of the Minister of Finance, Sergei White, or Witt, I cannot remember how to pronounce that one. And I think it was that, however, despite the rapid industrial growth, there was not any really true political reform or political growth, which led to a quite discontent and rapidly growing working class. Though at this point, the peasants were still 80% of the population, though perhaps had been emancipated slash freed, there were still a lot of issues. And the fact that Russia was still a mostly agricultural economy created some economic issues and conflict between not only the differing social classes, but also the government. And the conflict caused by both these economic and political issues ended up climaxing in the months prior to the October 1905 in a series of events known as the October Re- the Russian Revolution, sorry, of 1905, not the October Revolution. And on the 22nd of January 1905, Bloody Sunday, as I previously mentioned, what happened, which is when a group of pe- peaceful protesters led by a surf or by a priest attempting to bring a peaceful pro- petition to the czar were gunned down or fired upon by palace guards, which ended up increasing tension and causing great unrest among the Russian people, leading to a general strike that crippled the economy. And soon enough, unrest would spread to the countryside with pe- with peasants revolting against their, their the the manners of like the masters of the peasants, and at some points, them even setting fire to manors and other infrastructure. And at this point, Russia's was crippled in terms of communication, transportation, and public services, and Nicholas was rapidly put into a bad place as he was now in danger. His power was in danger. I think there's that why that that while Russia wasn't a major standstill with violent revolts and that and reform was a way that what the people were demanding to in order to end these violent revolts, Nicholas was still quite vehemently opposed to any form of reform that would limit his autocracy or limit the Russian autocracy, and he thought it was placed as basically it was not his place really to limit his ancestors' system and his ancestors' work, and he actually at one point said. I cannot squander a legacy that is not mine to squander, and he could not really, and he couldn't really bring himself to understand that the Russian people were seeking. It was a limit to his power, so he decided that he needed to find a way to do it, a way to stop the unrest and still maintain his power. So on the so he would grant the October Manifesto in October, which addressed the unrest and promised to grant basic civil liberties in order to end it. And these civil liberties in, include the best central foundations of civil freedom based on the ideas that your freedom of conscience, your freedom of speech, freedom of assembly and association, and a couple of other important civil freedoms. And 
In addition, they would also allow all classes of the population to allow all classes of the population which were previously denied the rights of the vote into the Duma, which is their parliament, and to leave any further developments on elections to the, the legislature. In addition, the, this basically this rule that the Duma are the ones who had to confirm all laws that without the Duma's confirmation, he cannot enact laws, and that the representatives of the people would have the right to basically supervise the legality of actions com- committed by officials and also the introduction of a universal man's man's suffrage universal suffrage for all men and i think there's that why this this document did grant some basic rights to the russian people it did not actually as you could probably notice grant any power or grant any like the the true democracy to the Russian government, they weren't electing their head. Now they just basically said that the voice now have a voice, they have a right to a voice. The people now have a right to a voice in legislation. They also have some basic rights. And it also managed to annoy the Catholic Russian Orthodox churches. They now, it was now allowed for people to convert to other branches of Christianity. And I'm going to explore the Duma in depth. And things are that the one of the provinces of the Manifesto was created a legislative body in Russia known as the Duma, and the point of the Duma was basically we're going to limit the power of the autocrat in order and in favor of the people. I think to notice that this body, as you could probably tell from some of those provisions, was flawed from its inception, and something that was not in the provisions, but which is key to know about it, is that the Tsar maintained veto power. And the Duma was also weakened by the influence of the Russian bureaucracy, and as well as the fact that it could be disbanded by Nicholas if he had not or if he did not reach an agreement with them. Something to note is that the manifesto was actually able to help divide opposition to the emperor, which was greatly beneficial for him, as one faction was was appeased by the fact that they now had freedom of speech and they could access a representative government with both the cadets, which is a name for the Constitutional Democratic Party, and the Union of October 17, both being appeased by this. However, one faction, the Mon- the Marxists, would maintain that they'd only gotten small concessions from Nicholas and that the Dumont was not truly democratic and was not and that they were still facing heavy regulations and ended up opposing it. However, despite the the opposition or in fact really in and because of the fact that the opposition had now been divided, the manifesto had some short lived success. And the strikes and most of the violence of the pe- by the people would end up being ended quite quickly, and the nation would be quite enthusiastic about their newfound freedom and the idea that they could now get government reputation rep- representation. And the Octopus faction was also create came into being. And think to us that, however, despite its immediate success, it would soon be followed by a return to the cycle of constant strikes and violence, as the autocracy would begin to quickly or not quickly, but slowly, but still gradually reaffirm its power in quite violent ways. And within months, they were starting to execute people in their thousands. They also began to suppress political parties. And by 1906, much of Russia would be under martial law. And much of much of the manifesto had been had become to be viewed as a ploy by Nicholas to regain power of Russia without actually attempting to do anything to fix it. And he would also continue to weaken the Duma as a way to help himself increase his power once again. And in conclusion, 
the October Manifesto was a document issued by Tsar Nicholas II in an effort to help himself regain power after a series of strikes and civil unrest in his own country due to the lack of democracy and a variety of other social and political issues. And he ended up led, he ended up or nominally trying to appease the people by giving them some degree of civil liberties in addition to adding some degree of dem- democratic process into the government. Though it was soon shown that he actually did not intend this to be a, as any form of a, actually trying to give the people democracy and instead intended it as a way for him to put down the opposition and, and he would rapidly engage in rollbacks of much of his reforms helping him regain his power though at the cost of keeping the issues in place which would eventually I would argue lead to his down, the downfall of the Russian monarchy by protesters and by other f- discontented factions in 1917 thanks for listening everyone and once again this was the Random History Podcast